0: Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is the Guineas preview ahead of a great couple of days racing at Newmarket. The 2,000 Guineas, the 1,000 Guineas, and plenty other cracking racing either side of them as well. And it's just me and one guest today for this preview, but it is the main man himself, Odds Checkers, horse racing tipster, Andy Holding. Andy, very, very good to have you here. Just, just the two of us, a bit lonely uh, on this Skype call, but ahead of a pretty... Exciting weekends racing—it's the weekends racing that I kind of dream about in those dark winter months <laughs> ahead of the flat season.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a fantastic guineas. Uh, the two thousand guineas is anyway. The one thousand guineas probably hasn't got the uh, the stellar field that we were hoping for. Obviously, pretty gorgeous doesn't make the gig, but uh, pretty much anyone who's anyone um, has turned up for the two thousand guineas, um, and that's going to take some sorting out. I'm looking forward to that. Probably. More so than in any race recent times because I genuinely feel as though we've got a a field assemble there where probably five or six could lay claim to be a champion miler this season if um, you know, they stamp their authority on a race of this nature and then go forward for the rest of the season. So that is about as good as it gets with regards to three year old milers. Yeah, we're going to
0: be covering that fairly soon. But before we get into the actual racing itself, how's your records uh, in the 2000 and 1000 guineas? You backed the winner last year, didn't you, in there with Camaco?
1: Camaco? yeah, to be honest, not that bad. Um, you, you, sound actually... su- you sound surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, sur- I'm, I'm sort of just trying to re- recollect the ones I've backed. I've just actually dra- dragged it up to see how I have, how well I have done. I backed Camaco. Um, I didn't back Knight of Thunder I think I was unlucky in that year I think I backed the second that that good horse of John Gosden's that got beat by Knight of Thunder yeah, yeah. that should have won and then was unbeaten um, throughout the remainder of his career Um, yeah I'd say Patchy along the way Patchy I, 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 I don't seem to have jumped on many of the Aiden O'Brien horses it's mm. taken me a little while to work out that Aiden O'Brien is mustered in this race <laughs> Um well, and anyone who thoughts. hasn't
0: anyone who hasn't listened should go back and, and listen or watch. Uh, we did a, a horses to follow um, piece a, a week or so ago, Andy, and, and it's fair to say that you gave some pretty extensive thought uh, thoughts on some Aidan O'Brien horses there. So do, do go and do do go and check that out if you haven't already. Um, do also download the Odds Checker app. It's where. You get the best prices, which we'll be talking through today, the best bookie offers as well, free bets. And also you can get the best place terms because there are going to be a few at these major meetings. There are always a couple of firms who stick their neck out and give you an extra place here or there or maybe even two. So. Imperative that you download the Odds Checker app, imperative that you subscribe to the Odds Checker Betting Show podcast channel, and imperative that you subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel where you can find plenty more content from Andy and myself and, and many others that we get on board for these previews as well, with loads more to come to throughout the flat season and through other sports as well. So do do all of those things. Now that I've done my spiel, we can get on to the racing. And the way we're gonna do this, because we're gonna do uh cover both days in one kind of 40-odd-minute podcast. Or video. Um, we're going to just do the group racing in depth, and then at the end of each day, I'll just ask Andy if he's got any anything to flag in any of the handicaps or the other races on the day. And I'm pretty sure all the maidens, and I'm pretty sure that he probably will. So we'll get to that when we get there. But kicking off then with the Betfair Palace House Stakes in the 2:25 at Newmarket. This is on Saturday. Time of recording is about one o'clock on Friday, so we're about 25 hours ahead of race time here. And Lazuli is the eleven to four favourite ahead of Came from the Dark at five to one. Garris and Judicial are both eleven to two. <clears throat> Emirati Anna seventeen to two. Arecibo, nine to one. Uh, Al Jardi eleven to one. Dubai Station sixteen to one. Glamorous Anna thirty three to one. Now this is one of the, the few races where we, we're going to get our our money's worth in terms of place terms. The field sizes aren't ideal at Newmarket this weekend, but here we're getting three places in Skybet, despite there only being nine runners already sticking their neck out and
1: going four places, a fifth to four.
0: Andy, over to you.
1: Yeah. Fascinating race, uh, to begin uh, our podcast, uh, George. Yeah. Um, far above uh, won this race, uh, last year, didn't he? Um, mm. on, on Guinea's day and, and chasing him home was judicial. who Who's going to be a popular choice. He's nine years old now. Um, Judy Camacho's gelding, but um, still remains as good as ever. We often find it with these sprinters that it can keep going for years uh, and years, and if they've got the appetite, and he certainly has, I- I'm sure he'll run his race. He's bound to be trained uh, to the minute, um, like he was last year, but he, I think he's in arguably just a deeper or choppier waters than he was 12 months ago. He's got Lazuli perhaps to to beat as the, num- as the number one choice. Um, he comes here off the back of uh, getting beaten out in Dubai uh, by that good sprint of uh, Charlie Hills' uh, equilateral. I don't think that was uh, uh, at all a bad performance. Equilateral equipping himself really well over in the desert throughout the winter. And he's a real strong traveller, isn't he, Charlie? Uh, Charles, uh, Charlie probably is Charlie. He, <laughs> he often goes in behind the pace and, and quickens up really well. He has made the run in the past when he won at Sandown, but largely speaking, he wants a strong gallop to run at, as do many of these in this line-up. His odds are a little bit cramped, but you'd have to respect him. Um Ed Walker's doing really well with his sprinters at the moment as well, isn't he, George? You know he's got a good mm. collection of horses now to go to war with. Um, for instance, Starman, he's uh, number one ace in the pack to run in in uh, the big races such as the King Stand or the or the, the Golden Jubilee. Um, I imagine he'll start off in the in the Duke of York up at um, York in a um, at the Musidora meeting, and he's also got Great Ambassador as well, who's been uh, well flagged up for. Um, races such as the Wokingham, and perhaps further down the line, the the, um, the Goodwood Sprint Race, the Stewards Cup. So, came from the dark um, is another one to put on your list. He beat Garris at Newbury narrowly, but he, he looks a sprinter going in the right direction. But the one I'm going to fall down on the side of, um, he's got a little bit to fun on the ratings, but because he's the only course and distance winner in the field, and I was really taken with him on his debut for New Connections, is Arecibo. A horse much maligned, and Um, a horse that had probably one or two rude names attached to him by uh, (laughs) members of of the press and probably punters alike. Uh, Quite rightly so. He'd often chuck away races that he probably should have won When with previous connections, but he's gone with the sprinting king, hasn't he? Robert Cowell. Mm. Uh, He has an amazing record of turning base metal into gold uh, with these kind of horses. And uh, Tom Morley's owner, he's a very shrewd cookie. He he, he works uh, alongside me on William Hill Radio and He's got a very good collection of sprinters in his midst, and this one arguably is his best prospect for the season. I'd imagine he'd be run, outrunning his mark of 99 sooner rather than later. But I was really impressed with the way he quick enough to win here um, on, on at the first meeting, the Craven meeting. He clocked a good time, and several of those that have run out of that racing behind him have either won or got placed in much better races subsequently. So I think the form is definitely worth uh, noting. But look, he's fit as well. He's proven on fast ground. He's proven out of the track and he's just the kind of ho- horse that Robert Cowell can continue to improve. Now he's got his head in front and he's got the confidence levels high. I, I could see him going and-, and having a good season in sort of um, group three, group two level. And at nine to one, not a bad H-way price.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nine to one. Uh you're getting Arecibo, that's with 888 Sport, BetVictor, Unibet and Boyle Sports. They're all three places. Skybet paying four places uh, and our 8-1 to one Arecibo, Tom Markwind, former Odds Checker ambassador, booked. I think if you're anticipating a big season for Arecibo, I think we're all anticipating another big one for Tom as well. Um, on then to the second race, we're going to be covering the race before the 2000 guineas, it's the Betfair Exchange Jockey Club stakes. And I mentioned the field size is just four, sorry, five run here. Five run. And Pile Driver is the nine to four favourite ahead of Siron Priestley at five to two. Al uh is 11 to four. Pablo Escobar, eight to one. Thunderous, nine to one. A trappy little race, Andy, but also a really, really interesting little one to
1: try and solve. Much so yeah again another race that's uh, brought together a small but select field um you know majority of them are, are already proven at um, the highest level, most notably pile driver goes without saying third in the um, Saint Ledger at uh, Doncaster towards the back end um he, I think he won the did he go, did he win the um, what's the race at york now the, the, the Voltiger. Mm. I think he won the Voltiger on the, on the en route to that to that uh, excellent run on tower moor. Uh, and he's he's now one say he's got different handling, but um, it's another one of these amalgamations, isn't it? Um, yeah. William Muir's teamed up with Chris Grassick. We're seeing quite a bit of this now, aren't we? Um, you know, Th- Thady and John Gosden, Paul Paul Cole and, and his son, uh, a lot of them in the sort of keeping it in the family. But you get what I mean. And there's lots of um, um, joint uh, joint trainership now. Um so he you know he could have a really good season as a four year old. Um, but he does fly, face a, a Mark Johnson horse that I think could be quite difficult to beat from the front. Mark Johnson won this race last year with Communique. He's also won it with Universal and Jukebox uh, Jury, And and those horses are of a similar ilk, i.e. they've got the stamina for two, uh, mile six, uh, two miles further down the line. But they've also got the tactical speed for a mile and a half. And this fella beat Ocean Wind on his seasonal uh, reappearance. Uh, actually, it was his first appearance for... Uh, 551 days, so that's nearly two years. Uh, didn't make a jot of difference. He was fitting well, and he beat a horse who was race fit off off uh, having a run on the all weather. Ocean Wind has subsequently gone on to run really well in the Sigaro behind the mighty Stradivarius. So the form, collaterally, is really strong. And I like the way he tufted it out from the front that day as well. He got not necessarily headed by Ocean Wind, but he certainly got joined and he found plenty more for pressure. Now, I'll imagine in a small field, this is manner from Hever from Franny Norton get the, to get the fractions right from the front. And if he can grab the Golden Highway over on the far side, or as, as it is, the stalls are down the centre. But I, I think they, they race, have to race around a bend here, don't they, before mm. they join the main straight? I think it's a mile and a half is where the, the track runs out and then goes off into the distance. Um, I'd imagine he'll go on that far side rail and, and row his own boat from the front. So... I think Ron Priestley, under today's conditions, with match fitness on his side, he might just be able to get the better of Pyle Driver and Pablo Escobar, not to mention Al Zarakan, who obviously comes here off the back of um, three straight wins on the all-weather. So Sir Ron Priestley five to two um, in this five-runner
0: field. That's pretty much across the board. And Andy's selection for the Jockey Club Stakes, which is the three o'clock on Saturday and the race ahead of the 2000 (laughs) Guineas, which we'll get on to now. And we may have rattled through those first two races, but it's only because, Andy, I know I'm going to have to rein you in here because you're going to want to talk about a fair few of these. uh, Mm. As you mentioned, a a really exciting renewal of this great race. And Wembley is currently the nine to two favorite uh, Wembley, a horse you spoke about. On Your horses to follow, um, show a couple of weeks ago when Wembley was seven to one, best price. So now as short as seven to two in places. Thunder Moon is 11 to two. Um, Mustabeck six to one alongside Battleground. One ruler drifted all the way back out, uh, 17 to two. Master of the Sea 10 to one. Van Gogh 10 to one. Poetic Flair all blue and odds checker at the moment. Uh, 12 to one. Chindit 16 to one. Lucky Vega 22 to one. 50 to one bar. And before we get into the 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 races sorry sorry the horses themselves let's talk about the race talk about the draw because we need to talk about the draw bias here for anybody who maybe doesn't know the track so well doesn't know the race so well what what would you ideally be looking for um, in terms of the, your selection and where they're drawn
1: well the last few years that they've they've tried to um, curb any kind of track bias by putting the stalls up the stand side rail and they're having a cutaway around about the three furlong pole. So once they go past that cutaway, the track opens up. And if you're on the inside, you can get a run on the inside. If you're on the outside, you you know, you've, you should be, you should be technically speaking, working on a level playing field. But this year, to my knowledge, looking at um, the racing post anyway, the stalls are placed in the centre. Mm. So with 15 runners and a big wide ex- open expanse of the Raleigh Mile, and I think that we're, we're dealing with fresh ground as well. This is going to be a fresh strip, not compared to the Craven meeting where they had a bit of a narrow funnel. This hasn't been run on since October. So I think the horses are going to go down the centre of the track. That's going to be the hope anyway. So we should get, in theory, a clean run race. Um, Ideally, if they are going to go down the middle, you want to be drawn closer to the middle to get some cover as possible. There is going to be pace on here. We've got a couple of natural front runners in Devil Waller and uh, Naval Crown. So I don't think we're going to be uh, struggling for a, a strong gallop here. Um, so I think general, in general terms, we're, we're looking at a hopefully a cleanly run 2000 guineas. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the first information to get across before we start.
0: Well, the, yeah, the top end of the market is pretty front-loaded with high draws. You've got Wembley out of eight, Thunder Moon out of 10, Mr. Beck out of 12, Battleground out of 15. Um, they're the top four. So that <laughs> could, well, I mean, we'll see how it plays out on the day, I guess. But Andy, let's let's start with Wembley. Now the favourites. Um, and kind of, I guess you can repeat a bit of what you what you said
1: to me uh, 10, 10 days or so ago. Yeah, I apologise in advance for repeating, or close to repeating <laughs> what I've already mentioned about this horse. To those that have looked at the uh, ten to follow list, uh, which we did a, a few weeks back, but uh, nothing really changes in my opinion um, in Wembley a few weeks on. No reason to desert him at this late hour. I, I still go on record to say he was the best horse in he was the best horse in the uh, in the Dewhurst, which to my eyes anyway, pound for pound, was, is the best two race of the season. You know, Chindit's already proven that the race is as good as what i think and, and poetic flair who was just behind him uh has also frank the Foreman. and if you want to go further down you can look at tactical as well he was um 10th in the um the crate uh, in the uh, the jewhurst and he's won so far this season so we're dealing with an, a, a really good crop of uh, t-rolls but if you go back on what's that race like i have several times wembley he was a badly drawn to start off with stall two in in a um and above average size, they don't normally have 14 runners for the Dewhurst. And he challenged right on the outside, forsaking and giving up a lot of ground to start with. And he had to come from a hell of a long way back just because of those that were drawn high, went forward from their position, got the rail, and he was like right on the outside on the wing. And at one camera point when they went past, I think it was three out, four out, he must have been at least 10 lengths behind. So for him to only get beat three quarters of a length by St. Mark's Basilica would a better run through. So outrun Run, Thunder Moon, I thought was a, was a stellar effort. Uh, Ryan Moore riding that day. So he's obviously um, had the position or he's been in the position to ride, ride this horse. So it has to be certainly a, d- a deal of con- of um, significance that he's decided to ride him over St. Miles Basilica or indeed Battleground, a horse that he's very familiar with as well. Uh, and the beauty about him as well, he's a hold-up performer and he's drawn right in the middle in stall eight. So if they go straight down the middle... I'd imagine Ryan will be right at the back of the pack or in the middle towards the back of the pack, getting loads of cover, plenty of pace on ahead of him, and he's on a horse that stays really well. He was unlucky not to win the national stakes as well, albeit, or, or you know, he, he's got a bit to find with Moon that day. But again, if you look at that, Rod, he got a terrible run through that day, and he was closing down Joseph O'Brien's horse over seven furlongs. I think with an extra furlong, he probably would have won that race that day. So I think he's the right favourite. You've obviously got to hope that Aidan O'Brien's got him A1. No reason why he wouldn't. you know. Right, um, Aidan O'Brien's won this race loads of times with horses who haven't had a seasonal reappearance. So he's definitely my number one choice uh, of all the Aidan O'Brien horses and of all, the, all these potential horses going forward. So I'm really excited about Wembley um, for this race and for the rest of the season. Would you be backing Wembley at the prices at the
0: moment? You know, your nine to two is your standout price with the UniBet, four to one with Hills, who so are paying five
1: places. I've backed him at slightly bigger odds. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I've got an anti-post voucher, you know, of twenty to one in my pocket. I haven't. Um, I, I backed him in and around the point when I did the podcast. I think he was about six to one at that point. Mm. I think nine to two is fair enough. <clears throat> as we look at it now, nine to four to one. Um, I think he's going to be there or there about. I, I'm, my strategy is probably going to be to put up another one against, not necessarily against him, but just just in case he doesn't get a clear run, because I got a sneaky feeling that there's one here that's now, because of jockey bookings, going to be slightly overlooked, and I, I do think he's as equally as talented as as Wembley, so uh, we'll, we'll get on we'll get onto to him in a second if you um, sort of tee me up. Yeah, well, let's look at <laughs> let's look at the jockey bookings. Ryan Moore rides Wembley.
0: Frankie Torre is on Battleground, and uh, Sean Heffernan is on um, is on Van Gogh. So, yeah, that that should do you okay. Who do you want to talk about next?
1: Um, well, I respect Battleground. I think he's a lovely horse. I think I think we'll seem um, equally effective over further. He's he's always he's always looked as though he's going to make a good three. Although he had the physique as a T-roll to be ready there and then. Of course, his, his victory in the in the Cheshire was, which which told you that last season. I've got a huge amount of time for Thunder Moon. I think a better ground will suit him than he did in the Dewhurst. He he has to be a factor with Joseph O'Brien's horses going really well. Van Gogh, of course, is a great one winner at two. But I think the one that's going to be slightly over, overlooked because William Buick has overlooked him and decided ah, to ride Master of the Seas the wrong is, way. is one ruler. Interesting. Uh, uh, a horse that I got clocking some phenomenal times last season. he's, he's, he's run when he got beat um, in the Flying Scotsman at Doncaster last season was... Was an excellent effort on the figures. He then beat Van Gogh um, here over the Raleigh Mile on ground I don't think he would have necessarily liked. And he was a very warm order, I don't know if you remember, for the Racing Post Trophy yeah. uh, or the Faturity as it is now at Doncaster. And he got beat by Max Swinney, but the ground was heavy that day. And I just think that just stretched him a little bit. Look, he ran really well uh, in defeat. Um, but uh, it was no, doubt, no doubt for me, he was the best horse in the race and the ground did for him. But he's going to come here. Fresh and well. Apparently, he's been working really well. Um, and he's drawn right in the middle as well. And he's still seven. We know he acts on the rally mile. But I think the good ground is going to suit him better than most. Uh, and I'd, I'm not bothered for one minute that William Buick has decided to ride Master of the Seas. That was a little bit inevitable. The fact that Master of the Seas has given him that recency bias feel because he's ridden him last time out when he won at the Craven meeting. But, um, you know, James Dawes not a bad deputy, is he? And he's going to drift out because of that jockey booking, I think, to an almost unconsidered nine or even maybe 10 to one tomorrow morning. But you shouldn't rule out this fella because he's got a packet load of talent. So, yeah, in short, two horses that run the track really well. One was unlucky in last year's Dewhurst, one was unlucky because of the, of the ground in, in the futurity. They both stay well, top yards. <clears throat> and we can get sort of 4 to 1, 9 to 2, the one, and maybe even 9 to 1, the other yeah one ruler
0: currently best price 17 to 2 that's a bet, <laughs> bet. It was a short as kind of seven and two four to one yeah a few days ago um yeah probably I, I thought you were gonna talk about um the stick with the o'brien horses but you've done me over there um yes. yeah one rule of really the cool. um yeah threw me a couple a- any others that kind of bigger prices i mentioned poetic flair best price 12 to 1 now but been, been backed over the last couple of days um uh, chinned it You know, a a consistent performer and winner, uh, 16 to 1. Can you see any of these crashing the party or do you think that all the fun's going to be up towards the top end of the market?
1: No, I don't think Chindit's quite good enough as as the run in the Dewhurst indicates. Mm. He improved to win the Greenham and they think the better ground will suit him better than the Dewhurst. So we we need to make that um, fact known. And I think Poetic Flair also, he'll have to prove on his run in the Dewhurst as well. They've got loads to find these horses. On the ones I've I've talked about quite significantly, I think the only one that could be the um, unknown quantities must um, um Mutasarbek, mm, who was hugely Charlie impressive hills. in in winning his novice race at the Craven Meeting. Look, he clocked a good time. His sectionals were very good, but you know that was over seven furlongs in a in a race where he bagged the stand side rail. I think it was a massive advantage to be over on the stand rail. And generally speaking, I always want to get get against horses who win when there's a massive track bias and they look impressive because when they haven't got a bias like he'll have on Saturday, it's going to make it a lot, a lot for life, a lot difficult. Look, he's not proven in group one company. So it's a big ass for him. Um, I can't believe he's a shorter price and a significantly shorter price than one ruler. Mm. That, that That's my way of thinking. He's already proven at group one company. So the two to take on the field
0: with for Andy holding in the 2000 guineas Wembley, Uh, who is nine to two best price at the moment and one ruler 17 to two as we record at one o'clock on friday be really interesting to see what happens in the market over the next couple of days two horses probably the two biggest movers in the market over the last (coughs) couple of weeks both of them moving into favoritism both maybe easing out at the moment but no reason to panic according to andy james Doyle riding one ruler ryan moore riding wembley um that brings us to the you know the final race we're going to cover in detail on the saturday just doing the the group races and the listed races over the weekend but there's plenty of other decent racing around andy any others that people should be keeping
1: an eye out uh the others yeah there's a there's a lovely race um the race after um Guineas, uh, the 450 the uh, new market stakes it sees a clash between two horses that ran in very good races at the uh, Craven meeting one of them won um Mahafeth, and the other one, his secret protector, got beat. But he got got beat by a horse who clocked the fastest furlong per furlong time of the entire three-day Craven meeting in the shape of Highland Avenue. And that field and stakes, if it works out as well as the race did last year, uh, the race that Mishrif won, of course, uh, who also clocked a big time, then I think um, we need to follow that race uh, quite religiously. He came from the back of the field as well that day, at secret protector. So I think he probably might just hold sway over Mahafeth, who's got a lot to find in the figures. He's only rated 92, but I think William Haggis is quite right to run this horses Listed company already ready and blow his potential handicap mark, because I think uh, he, the numbers that he clocked at the Craven meeting suggest he is definitely going that way. So I think that's an interesting little matchup between the two. And also keep an eye on a great ambassador as well. He was hugely impressive visually and on the clock when he won at Kempton on his um, debut for Ed Walker. And as I said, at the top of the show, Ed Walker's got... Some really good sprinters in his midst this season. I've actually tipped one of his this uh, this afternoon on my checker column called Peerless. I'm happy he runs well, but he's got Starland, he's got uh, Came from the Dark, and he's got this great Ambassador. I think he's going to be aimed at the Wokingham, and mm. um, this will probably tell us and perhaps tell him as well, Ed Walker, that he he has got that right kind of horse because it's all right winning on the all weather, but you've got got a good. Got to go now and prove it on the grass. So if he comes through that test, which I expect him to do, then uh, Ed Walker's got a live one perhaps for Royal Ascot in um, great ambassador. So those, those two races are the two races I'm looking forward to on Saturday. Great ambassador, 5-2 to two with most firms uh, in that 4.15 tomorrow.
0: Tom Markwind on board again. Uh, and then to uh, Sunday's racing, the one thousand Guineas Day. And the first race we're going to discuss here is the Pretty Polly, the Phillies listed race. And Ashari is the 15 to 8 favourite here ahead of C Karatz at 9 to 4. Lady Hayes 7 to 1, Alba Rose 8 to 1, Uh, Mystery Angel 10 to 1, 11 to 1. Uh, Taslima, the Flying Ginger 25 to 1 and Forever Grateful 100 to 1. So two at the top end of the market. Andy, a bit of a match at the top. Do you think the market's got this one right?
1: I can't believe how C. Karats is as so short as, as she is. Mm. Um, she was well touted on debut. Look, she ran an eye-catching race. Um, you know, everyone could see that. She was unlucky, probably might have won. But, I mean, that Phillies race at Newbury was not run at a right pedestrian gallop that the the split times weren't that great. I mean, she's got to improve an amazing amount to to, to even warrant winning it, let alone be 15 to 8 to win it. Mm. Um, I think she's a, a shocking price. Um, you know, Al, Al Sari's just had the one run, which came at the July meeting, and I, I think he's a he's a look. There's a lot more strength in depth to that performance um, in, in beating a decent field that day. I'm not sure why we haven't seen her since. And obviously, the ground's a slight question mark as it was soft that day, and she's going to be racing on good good to firm ground on on Sunday. But um, I think she's a better prospect at this stage than perhaps uh, Sea Carrots. And and I do think there's a good chance that Lady Hayes will outrun her odds as well. Um, she got bogged down in very soft ground,ed if you remember at Doverville towards the back end of the season. But her uh, uh, two victories at Salisbury and Haydock previous to that were very good on the figures. Um, she scrambled down a little bit when she was a big odds-on chance at, at Haydock, but uh, her 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 form of that Salisbury wing worked out really well. And with the dead eight runners, if they all go to post, I think Lady Hayes. Is, is easily the value pick of, of that, that field. So, um, yeah, I'll be looking to perhaps get with her if that price holds up.
0: Lady Hayes, 7-1. to one, uh, That is with 888 Sport. And Bet Victor, the one for Andy, in the Pretty Polly, the listed fillies race over a mile and two furlongs. So that's the 2.25 on Sunday. On to the 3 o'clock, which is the Betfair Dahlia Stakes uh, run over a mile and one furlong. Uh, Queen Power is the 9 to 4 favorite here with Sylvester Souza on board. Lavender's Blue 4 to 1, Four at 6 to 1 alongside posted. Lady Bothorpe and Freya both 10 to 1. 16 to 1 Indie Angel Norma, 33 to 1. Eight run here Andy. Um Queen Power the the uh, the favorite just ahead of of Lavender's Blue.
1: Yeah, the standard bearer in many respects Queen Power, but she's just a difficult horse to win with, isn't she? I mean, you can tell, see that by form figures. Loads of times had fancied chances and, and just hasn't been able to put it away, um, which always leads me a little bit cold when I'm looking at staring down a barrel of taking nine to four about a horse like that. Um, Lavender's Blue, similar horse to her, similar horse rated-wise, running the same kind of races. At least she knows how to win, and she comes off the back of a win first time out at Kempton. So her well-being is already proven. I think Amanda Perrotts made a better start this season uh, than she did uh, last year's campaign. So, I think she's um, probably a little bit more reliable of the two at this stage. As regards a bet, again, with a dead-eight runner race, I'm quite interested in this race. I'd probably look towards Lady Bowthorpe. also, I think was probably a little bit of an unsung hero last year. She won at big odds at Ascot last year, but did it really well. Clocked a massive speed figure. And they went to Sandown last, next time out and got, didn't get the run of the race. In the race, it was won by Mamora. She was at the back and he couldn't make ground from the back, and 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 she, she didn't get the clearest to run through beyond Nazif on on Champion Zone the Sun Chariot. But you know that was a Group One race against the likes of Champa Lize and, and uh, Cloak of Spirit horses that would probably be short price favourite to win this race uh, on Sunday. So because she's trained by William Jarvis, I think we're getting probably a better value in in this horse. Where I think I think she probably deserves to be a little bit more um, given a bit more respect. So yeah, I'm I'm seeing ten to one flash up in front of my eyes for Lady Bathor. can you confirm that, George? I can. Yeah, Paddy Power eight to
0: eight Sport, Betfair Sportsbook, and Bet Victor, and a couple of others too. Yeah, dead eight runners, Lady um, She'll do for me there. Lady Balthorpe, uh, ten to one, as I just mentioned there, with Kieran Schumacher on board for William Jarvis, as Andy says straight then into the 1000 guineas uh, the big one on sunday and santa barbara is now the 5 to 4 <clears throat> favorite uh, santa barbara 5 to 4 after pretty gorgeous was uh, confirmed a non-runner this morning after a dirty scope alcohol free for andrew balding 15 to 2 if you want to hear more about alcohol-free, do go and check out the Odds Checker YouTube page. Uh, I went down to his yards uh, and we had a great day with him. Talking about Cameco last season, his other hopes ahead of this season, and alcohol-free certainly right at the very top. And there seemed to be a bit of quiet confidence. You know, not, not over-exuberant confidence, but some quiet confidence about alcohol-free coming into this. Uh, Andy, I know you've got some thoughts on how alcohol-free season might pan out. Sacred is 8-1. to one. That's with Betfred, but as short as four to one with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook, which could be a sign of things to come. Saffron Beach, nine to one. Mother Earth, nine to one. Statement, 14
1: to one. 20 to one bar. Uh, Andy, over to you. Yeah, I don't think, I know, Brian has quite got the dominance in this race that he has in, in the 2000 guineas. So there's always a potential for an upset here. Um and it would be a big shock, I think, to those that are closely associated with the Balladol camp if this Philly got beat, this Santa Barbara. The, the noises coming out of the camp are very, very seductive, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, Baden's are saying it's the best she's been working the best he's ever seen, a Philly at this time of year. Some of some of the work that she's been doing has been quite scary. Now it all depends if you are sucked into that hype. Um if you are then uh, you're a very brave man to be taking five to four, which is what we're looking at at the very moment in time. It's not the kind of horse I want to be backing, or not kind of the bet I want to be taking. It's not necessarily right, nothing against Santa Barbara as a horse and what she's potentially capable of. Um, i would just one of those races where I'll let her win at the price, George, simple yeah. as that. Um, you know, she might be the next coming, and if she wins this, then we can start lauding her as, as, as potentially a superstar further down the line. I will say that. Yeah, now Brian Camp have a habit of hamming up these horses because of the breeding shed prospects. You know, they want to make them into a champion um, before they've even set foot on the race track. So let's see what she can do. Just looking at her form and her time figures at the Curra, it's certainly not a race that you get carried away about and thinking, oh, yeah, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth has won. The race hasn't worked out very well. She was very impressive, but you've got to put it into context. Uh, That said, I don't think this is a Stella Guinness. I don't think we're looking at genuine milers here. We're looking at horses like Alcohol-Free, like Sacred from last season, who are proven over sprint distances, six furlongs, that in and around that. They've both, won over, they've both won over seven as a two-year-old, so at least they've proven that they get beyond six. But whether they get a stiff run, strong run mile, in particular Alcohol-Free is very much open to the question from my point of view. At least Sacred's proven over the track. With Alcohol-Free, I can't work out whether it was lack of a run, which... Prevented her from being ultimately impressive in the in the the Fred Darling, um, or whether it was lack of stamina that caused her to st- almost stop quite abruptly. Look, she got yeah. the job done, but I don't know what I don't know what the vibes are out of Andrea Bown's You've been down there, but to me, she looks like a sprinter. She's always looked like a sprinter. Last season, she got brazen pace. It's going to be very difficult in my yeah. eyes, anyway. For, for for her to get the extra distance on Sunday, it's one of the, the
0: few times I can add some some <coughs> insight, Andy. But uh, you know, I, I asked Andrew, um, you know, on air. So it's not as if it was a you know you, you could probably see it in the video if he had any concerns about alcohol free um, making the trip. And and he said, you know, you can never be confident whenever you step a horse up like this and that kind of in that kind of company. It's always a bit of a shot in the dark. But he <clears throat> certainly felt like she had a reason to come on for that last run. Uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, from speaking to to, to stable staff and, and people at the yard and stuff, I think there's not, I don't think they are expecting to go down and win, but I think they're expecting her to put in a, a
1: good account of herself. I think it's worth the roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. Look, there's only one guineas, and look, a the second, third, fourth in the guineas, it's certainly not going to be a bad thing on your CV. And and I think from knowing a breeder perspective, it's always very enticing to have a go at it. You know, I, I can see why you'd have a shot, but my gut feeling is that free probably won't stay the trip. Yeah, and I'm thinking more Commonwealth Cup further down the line. I think she, I think she'll end up being a six furlong sprinter, and I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that until proven wrong. Um With regards to having a bet in the Guineas, I'd probably have a bet without the favourite because you just don't know what you're up against. Yeah, but going back and watching the Fred Darling again, the one that I that said to me anyway that she was going to be more than a mile in the seven was Vadream. Mm. I'd fancy her to turn the form around with alcohol free and um statement over a stiff mile. I think Jamie Spencer will ride her with a view to finishing placed. Yeah. He, and when then he, anything he, he, that, he ride her the only the only way he knows when he of course <laughs> he will. But I think that's not a bad thing. Yeah. She, he rode a Chile in, in 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 Newbury and and he just got on the wrong side of the track. She was drawn towards the stand side of the rails because that's the only place she could end up challenging. And he was on the slowest ground and he was closing at the finish. I think if you'd run it for an extra furlong, she would have probably nearly won. So I've come away from that waste thinking if a dream runs in the th- thousand guineas, I'm prepared to back her for a place or as it will be on Saturday on Sunday without the favourite. Um, we might get sort. Of, Eight, ten to one without the favourite. I don't think those markets have opened up yet, but no. <clears throat> she's twenty twenty-five to one all in. You know, you've got the likes of Mother Earth, Sacred, Saffron Beach, uh, statements, alcohol free, Fever over ahead of her, all in the betting. So she's got to be one of the outsiders anyway, and she's gonna be one of the outsiders in the without the favourite market. But um, yeah, I like what I saw at Newbury, and a couple, you know, she she's up to a fair bit of improvement. Well, i say she's gonna win, but I'll be disappointed if she doesn't confirm the impression she showed at Newbury and at least gets closer to those horses that Peter that day. Yeah, often Charlie Fellowses uh, do come on pretty quick as well
0: and I'd be over the moon if uh, if Charlie were to find himself somewhere in the winner's enclosure, at least, on uh, on on Sunday at Newbury. Uh, sorry, at Newmarket. Um, Andy, that brings, unless there's any, any others you want to flag up in the 1,000 guineas, otherwise we'll move on to any other business.
1: No, no, no. I think we've covered everything, to be honest, yeah. Um Yes, and any other business, job, I think.
0: Great, in, that, in which case uh, we've got a few, um, you know, small fields again on Sunday, but a few interesting races. Zabil uh, Champion running early on in the handicap. A couple of others. Any any you're looking to to flag up at this? You know, it's an early
1: stage with 48 hours before race day. Yeah, yeah, I, I would not be giving too many away on, on Sunday, just in case I need a few up my sleeve for for the column. Um, mm. There is a nice horse it, potentially uh, for further down the line called Rodrigo Diaz. He'd be a horse I'd suggest to the listeners of this podcast to follow throughout the rest of the season. I'll, I'll be pretty damn sure that he's going to run a, outrun his, his mark at the moment of 83. He was a horse, actually, I was looking forward to perhaps running in that big handicap towards the back end of the year. That, that I think it's running October, isn't it? Um, it's, it's usually maximum field. It was, it was a race that uh, Trushan won two years ago. Yes, uh, um, I have. I can't remember it. What I, I think it was a thing of Mark Johnson's that won it last year. Um but it's always very well contested. And this horse was entered up to run in that race and he didn't run. And I was surprised. I thought, mm, that, that, that was that was odd. And he didn't run in any other race uh, towards the back end of the season. Largely, largely I think, due to the fact that we had an exceptionally wet autumn stroke, uh, early winter, and he wouldn't want the ground to be as soft as it ended up being. So they've roughed him off. Um, now they've brought him back here at Newmarket off a rating of 83. I- I'm not sure whether... Jamie Spencer can get down to ride eight stone three so that's the reason why he's not reunited with the horse but they've got Sylvester D'Souza so that tends to think to me suggest to me anyway that they mean business with this on Saturday they've got him uh pretty much where they want him it wouldn't be the end of the world if he got beat because look he's a Dave Simcock horse and Dave Simcock wouldn't necessarily have his horse he's wound up first time out at this time of year but he is a very very smart horse I think in the making he's he's a beautiful floater. He floats across the ground quick. He'll definitely want fast ground throughout the season. The Rodrigo Diaz definitely want to watch for, to see how he gets on on Sunday with a viewer to following him for the rest of the season. Rodrigo Diaz, seven to two. That is a paddy power and Betfair sports book
0: for the one fifty. the back and lay on Betfair exchange handicap on Sunday at Newmarket. That brings us to a close for this Guinea's preview. Plenty of insight there from Andy, uh, hopefully a couple of winners in there too so please do download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, bookie offers, free bets place terms and the very best tips as well, all of Andy's tips in his column every morning on the app, the best and first place to find it there As I mentioned at the top of the show, please do uh, subscribe to the podcast channel on all podcast providers, the Odds Checker Betting Show, the Odds Checker Betting Podcast, uh, and also subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel as well for all of these uh, previews. Loads of other stuff in there as well. I'll I'll chat with Andrew Balding. We've got loads of interesting features coming up soon. So do subscribe to that. Do enjoy the racing. Follow Andy's tips. Read his column. It's going to be a belter. uh, And please do gamble responsibly.